0: Homegrown tomatoes. We're gonna to talk about homegrown tomatoes and why they're so good on this episode of the Driving with Rob Podcast. Homegrown tomatoes. Or as we say in the South, maters. In the Pixar movie Cars, the tow truck's name was Toad. tomatoes have you ever noticed how homegrown tomatoes are much better than store-bought tomatoes not just much better ten times better hundred times better homegrown tomatoes are just better you can't match the taste of homegrown tomatoes and most people like like myself you know some people plant heirloom tomatoes they plant these uh, I think there's a, a variety called Cherokee Or a Cherokee purple, which is kind of a purplish flesh tomato. Uh, What we always planted was Better Boys. It's an actual variety of tomato called Better Boys. We always planted Better Boys. Uh, Because Better Boys were big and juicy. And you could slice them and they would fit a whole piece of bread to make a Mater sandwich. And then as I got older, I started learning about Roma tomatoes. Roma tomatoes are really good sauce tomatoes, if you're making tomato sauce, because it's not quite as tart as a regular tomato. It's a little bit of a, a muted taste. But apparently in uh, in Italy, when they make uh, all the spaghetti sauce and stuff, Roma tomatoes is what they use. And there was this song one time, and I, f- I forget who sang the song or who wrote the song, but it was a song about homegrown tomatoes. Somebody wrote a song about homegrown tomatoes. It was like 30 years ago that I heard this thing. Maybe even longer than that. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What a life be without homegrown tomatoes. Only two things that money can't buy. And that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Homegrown tomatoes. I always knew that homegrown tomatoes were better than store-bought tomatoes. They're even better than the tomatoes you buy at the produce stand, but the ones at the produce stand are pretty good, too. But nothing beats a homegrown tomato. I always knew it, but I only learned why fairly recently. During the presidential election of 2016, when every news story had some kind of a political slant to it, there was never a news story that was just imparting information. You know, apartment complex catches fire. Democrats blame Trump, you know, that kind of thing. But they were doing this story about illegal immigrants and dovetailed into the illegal immigrants discussion was the discussion about migrant farmers, migrant farm workers from Mexico, especially in Southern California. All the border states that bordered Mexico had a long history of using migrant farm workers where these migrant farmers would get a temporary visa or a temporary work pass to come in and work in America and then they would go back to Mexico. Well, this was a story slanted at Trump. You know, they were trying to paint Trump as anti-Mexican. So they had this story on the news about how it would cripple agriculture in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California because they depended on these migrant farm workers from Mexico to come in and pick and that the whole agricultural economy in these states would be crippled if Trump was able to successfully ban Mexicans. Well, Trump never wanted to ban Mexicans. And Trump knew the value of Mexican migrant farmers. See, there are certain crops like wheat and corn and soybeans where you can come through there with a machine and the machine does all the picking, separates the stems and leaves from the actual product and then has a chute on the back and the tractor is pulling a wagon and it's shooting the wheat or the corn or whatever you're picking into these big trailers, you know, and then you would just haul this big trailer back. But tomatoes were different. You couldn't pick tomatoes with a machine. You actually needed hands. You actually needed human beings to reach in and pick the tomatoes and put them in the containers. It was kind of like peaches. They have very thin, very fragile skins, and you just can't pick them with a machine. And plus, tomatoes will continue to produce throughout the growing season. And they have yet to invent a machine that could pick tomatoes without tearing up the plant, or to pick anything without tearing up the plant. So they had to have these farmers, or these migrant farm workers, come out and hand-pick. Well, they were interviewing this farmer in Southern California who had a big tomato Field, a big tomato farm. Well, he had, I think, a couple hundred acres of tomatoes. And he was making the argument we can't make it without these pickers from Mexico. They come in just long enough for the growing season. Then, in the fall, after the tomato plants die, they go back home and they spend the winter in Mexico. Well, I noticed as they were picking these tomatoes, they weren't picking red ripe tomatoes. They were picking them green. And the story wasn't about the tomatoes. It was about the migrant farm workers. But I noticed that they were picking these tomatoes green. One little question that the guy, uh, the interviewer had was, I noticed that you're picking them green. And he said, Yeah, he said, with a uh, tomato farming operation of this scale, you have to pick them green and let them ripen on the truck. And then I did just a little bit of research and found out that there are other ways to make these tomatoes ripen. You can gas them, you put them in this, this big enclosure, and I forget what kind of gas you gas them with, but you gas them with something, and it makes them turn red. But they were actually picked green. And if you have ever tried to grow anything, any vegetable to eat, you know what that means. When you pick them green, that means they're not ripe. And they don't get ripe on the truck. They don't draw nutrients out of the air and suddenly become ripe. They will continue to turn red. But they were picked before they were ripe. And they asked this tomato farmer, he says, a tomato farming operation of this scale, you have to have buyers who are buying large quantities of tomatoes at a time. Who are you selling to? And he said, we're selling to the fast food restaurants, mostly. He said, most of our crop goes to fast food restaurants. And this particular guy had contracts with Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, you know, all the major uh, fast food burger chains, that's who this guy was primarily selling to. He said, we sell some to supermarkets, but the bulk of our crop goes to fast food restaurants. And I thought to myself, that's why the tomatoes on my fast food burger don't taste right, because they were picked green, but homegrown tomatoes. Whether you're growing them in containers, uh, patio farming, or whether you have an actual patch of tomatoes, you're picking these tomatoes after they get ripe. Every gardener and farmer who grows tomatoes knows you don't pick them green. When you pick them green, they're bitter. And all due respect to the people who like fried green tomatoes, I think fried green tomatoes was just for the sake of the movie Fried Green Tomatoes. That Fried Green Tomatoes became popular because I never heard of Fried Green Tomatoes. We don't eat no Fried Green Tomatoes. But all the tomatoes that both my grandmothers would can and down south we used to call it putting them up. When they would put up tomatoes, they were taking ripe tomatoes and putting them up. They had already reached their peak flavor when they were picked. And my wife makes homemade salsa and it's delicious. But she don't make it with green tomatoes. She makes them with ripe tomatoes. Tomatoes that were allowed to turn red on the vine. These tomatoes weren't picked until they were ripe. And when you let a tomato ripen like God intended for it, it changes the flavor as compared to a green tomato. Of course it does. And when you let them ripen on the vine, a lot of that tartness goes away, the tartness that you get with tomatoes that were picked too early. And it develops a much more complex flavor. And there's a certain sweetness to a homegrown tomato that you will never get from a store-bought tomato or a tomato on your fast food burger and that's why when you make a mater sandwich using better boy tomatoes that you grew yourself or you make a blt with three or four strips of bacon and a big slab of better boy tomato generously slather both pieces of bread with duke's mayonnaise and just a side note if you're not using duke's mayonnaise you're wrong i don't want to hear how good Kraft mayonnaise is. I don't wanna hear how good Hellman's is. If it ain't Duke's mayonnaise, it's wrong. Every other mayonnaise is substandard. And good Southerners know this. But when you make yourself a, a big old mater sandwich with generous amounts of Duke's mayonnaise on it, that tomato was a tomato that you grew, that your uncle grew, that your brother grew, and that thing was left on the vine until it got ripe before they picked it and that's why homegrown tomatoes are always and will always be better than store-bought like the song says there's only two things that money can't buy and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes And that's the story of why homegrown tomatoes are better. They just are. Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading. I appreciate you for listening to me ramble on about stuff. And today I'm rambling on about homegrown tomatoes. One of the few things I'm gonna miss about summer. Homegrown tomatoes and watermelon. The heat and humidity you can keep. But if you're not a subscriber, I would like to encourage you to click on the subscribe button On your particular podcast app or your particular podcast player, it may say follow instead of subscribe. But just click on it. It doesn't obligate you to anything. And that way, every time I download a new episode, you'll just get a notification to let you know that there's a new one. And I would appreciate it. But thanks again for downloading. Thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate all of you. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.